What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 30 of What the Funk. This is Elena, your host for the day. Now, I know we didn't have an episode last week, but to be completely honest, last week was just so wild and I didn't want to like have to rush to get this episode out because the topic today is actually going to be a little bit of a hot take of mine um, that's not just something where I think it's important for consumers and clients and potential clients to understand but also for other coaches if you're listening or baby coaches if you're new to the industry um something that i have seen sort of permeated throughout the fitness industry that i would like to more or less call out but like in a way that maybe hopefully makes sense um in in some capacity is that mm, you can't just eat what you want and lose weight and this is gonna go kind of against those people that are coaching like food freedom and like if you know you can use macros and it can be really flexible and like yes those things are true those things are true for a portion of the population but the reality is is that that approach doesn't always work for people and it can be extremely misleading um because here's the thing when you're taking somebody who's dealing with a lot of functional issues they got they've got tons of bloating tons of discomfort they're really constipated or they're having really loose bowel movements on a regular basis maybe their thyroid is downregulated maybe they're really dealing with a lot of brain fog and afternoon energy crashes maybe they're also um got some other thing going on. Maybe they have Hashimoto's, maybe they have PCOS, maybe they have endometriosis, right? Something that's like a diagnosed medical condition. Um, you're not going to be able to be a part of the population. That's just like, I can eat whatever I want within reason and lose weight or get toned or have energy or feel better. And that might not be true for forever, but it's going to be true for a stretch of time. Now, this is where there's sort of a fine line to walk because here's the thing, especially if you're a newer coach to the industry, you want to be the coach that can, that can get people the eat whatever you want and get the body of your dreams and feel amazing doing it, um, approach because that appeals to a lot of people. That's like a sexy outcome. That's like a sexy marketing tactic. And one that like, I used to want to be able to do that too. And I was convinced that I could until I realized that that's not going to be the reality, especially for the population of individuals that I had a desire to work with. Like I really went into opening my business and getting into coaching for myself, understanding that I was going to want to help people that had dealt with issues like me, right. That had made maybe some autoimmune disease that had been dealing with systemic inflammation that had a lot of gut issues. They had a lot of energy management issues. There was a lot of stuff going on under the hood. And as I got deeper and deeper and deeper, not only into my education, but just working with people, there comes a time when you really can't just eat whatever you want, um, that you're going to have to, to some degree, have some kind of an elimination of multiple things potentially at one point. So let's talk about 
the typical dieting weight loss merry-go-round. And I approach this also from, from the lens of recognizing that a lot of people think that approaching weight loss is going to help them get healthy. Right. And I did a whole podcast episode on this. I want to say it was like episode 14. I did that is weight loss is not a health strategy. And I'm going to stand by that. Okay. Weight loss is not a health strategy, but a lot of people think it is. And I kind of blame Western medicine for that. Right. You go to the doctor, you say, I'm dealing with this. They look at your BMI, which is not like a super valid way to determine somebody. If somebody is really, truly like needing to lose weight. Right. Especially when we think about body composition. There's a lot of individuals that would be considered overweight, but they have a lot of really lean tissue on their bodies and they're very strong and they're very athletic and they're very healthy, right? So BMI, but they look at your BMI, they look at the scale weight and they say, Hmm, you're tired. Why don't you go lose some weight? Or, Oh, you have PCOS. Mm, We just need to, we need to put you on a diet so you can lose some weight, which here's the thing that we have to understand is that dieting or being in a calorie deficit in an effort to lose weight is a stressor on the body. It is a stressor on the body, my friends. And if you are already dealing with dysregulation of your adrenals, of your thyroid, of your digestive health, of your sex hormones, and you are adding an additional stressor onto the body, 90% of the time, that's going to actually make things worse. And it's going to further dysregulate your body because this is what happens. You go into a calorie deficit and your metabolism starts to slow down. Your digestion starts to slow down. So we get backed up in regards to having regular bowel movements, clearing hormones and excess toxins and bacteria out of the body in a healthy manner. Um, and your thyroid starts to downregulate and then your cortisol starts to kind of spike and just get a little bit too elevated. And then you get done with the diet or you quit or something happens. And all of a sudden you kind of, you kind of like you gain the weight back and then you're like, Oh shit, I need to go on another diet again. And then you try this again, but here's the thing, your metabolism, hormones, and digestion never caught up. So you're currently, you're constantly flatlining and hammering down all of these systems within your body. And then all of a sudden you can't lose weight or experiencing weight loss resistance. Um, you might be dealing with adrenal insufficiency, which is basically where your adrenals get so tired of working hard to help maintain the life that you're trying to live in order to be in a smaller body. And they just go and they quit. And then your adrenals are screwed. Um, and what ends up happening is now you're at a point where you're not going to be able to lose weight. You're not going to be able to lose weight and you have a lot of things that you have to walk back in order to get your body to the point where it can effectively and healthily and safely lose the weight, right? So now there are other factors in the midst of this too. A lot of people end up in this situation because this is, this is what society has taught us to do. And now in between all of this dieting, right, all of this quote unquote dieting to lose weight, these extreme calorie deficits, um, we've got lifestyle factors that have been normalized, right? The standard American diet is very high in processed foods, very high in trans fats, um, not as many fruits and vegetables. And like the quality of food is not as high as it is in other, you know, in Europe. Like I'm going to be frank with you guys, like, right. When I, when I've eaten food in Europe, night and day from the food that I eat in the U.S. It's it's wild, the difference in quality and how I feel when I eat it, right? There's a reason that some of those European countries are healthier than the United States. It's not, it's not a... Um, it doesn't surprise me. Um, then we have also alcohol, right? Alcohol, which is going to suppress your immune function. It's going to make it harder for your body to clear toxins. It's going to shut down temporarily muscle protein synthesis. So any kind of, um, you know, recovery that your body might be doing from whatever activity or stress you might be experiencing, it's also going to impact your sleep quality. 
Um, consuming alcohol on a regular basis is part of normalized society. Um, even though I don't think there's anything normal about regular pump, regularly pumping your body full of toxins, it is a normalized activity within society. I mean, we would be stupid to think otherwise, right? <laughs> alcohol is normal. It's when you don't drink that things get questioned. Like if you drink, you're like, okay, this person's normal. And if you don't drink, people are like, why aren't you drinking? And it's like, because I don't want to. And now that's not to say that you never can not have alcohol again, right? Like I definitely enjoy a glass of wine and I actually got a Coravin, which is like a wine preservation system that allows me to like, just pour like a glass from a bottle because like, I love wine. And the issue with wine for me was always like, oh, if you open it and you don't drink it within a certain amount of time, it oxidizes and it goes bad. Well, the Coravin, once you like use it to pour a glass of wine it that bottle is now good for another two years and like i'll eventually drink that rest of that bottle but it might take me like four five six months to drink a bottle of wine versus like a week right and that's that's how i i'm like i want a glass of wine every now and then and that's it so that's something that i do but it's normalized to like have a drink three, four or five nights a week, even if it's just one, even if it's not the volume, the frequency also matters, right? With alcohol consumption. And then there's stress levels. Um, people in the United States are just stressed out as all get out. There's a lot of things that are within our society, right? Not enough time off, um, you know, high, high cost of living in a lot of places, um, really fast paced jobs, jobs expecting a lot more of you from that work-life balance that really might not exist for you. And then like you get pushback from whatever industry you're working in when you start to sort of try to maintain some of that balance and take back some of your time with your life. Like, right. We're not living to work. We're working to live, but that gets flipped around a lot of times. And a lot of people end up living to work. Right. And so they end up spending so much time on work and then they have, um, you know, stress within their relationships, stress within their home life, um, and just stress from not sleeping enough. And then you add everything on top of each other on top of this need to constantly control our body size and our body weight. Right. Then all of a sudden you have this perfect storm to have hella issues. And then people are in my DMs going, I just feel like all of a sudden, and I'm like, babe, this did not happen all of a sudden. This has been building for years. And one of the things that I really try to impress upon people when they when they're just starting to work with me is, hey, you've got these things that are happening and we need to systematically work through all of this and make sure that we get you to the point where you're functioning healthily again. And then we can talk about what does weight loss look like? What does this look like? What does that look like? But you have been getting yourself. It's been, you've been years in the making to get to this point. It's going to take more than 90 days. It's going to maybe take more than six months. It's going to take a while for some of these things sometimes to move, depending on one, how severe things are on and two, how adherent somebody is to the coaching process, right? Like if adherence and like struggling to maintain certain things that can prolong the process. And that's not to mean like a bad thing. And I say that because like I struggle with my mental health a lot. And sometimes that makes basic things like checking boxes in regards to like eating a regular meal difficult some days. And so that can sometimes prolong the process when you struggle with some of these extra things on top of it, but, um, it can prolong the process, right? So there are factors that can make the process shorter, faster, severity, adherence, um, how many, how much time and financial resources you have, because sometimes we have to go for extra labs. Sometimes we have to bring in supplementation, 
right? This can all impact what the process looks like, but it's not going to be like, you know, you walk into the gym or you see somebody on Instagram and they're like eight weeks to this or like 90 days to lose 10, lose 15 pounds in 90 days, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but you're not going to be the person that's going to be able to do that because your shit's messed up basically. So now here's the thing. If you see, or are you working with, or you are the coach who is preaching, eat what you want and see the results you're going to attract clients. Okay. And this is one for the coaches, I guess. Let me be clear. This is a message for the coaches in the audience. If you're only preaching, eat what you want and see the results, you're going to attract clients who you can't help because not everybody can handle that style of coaching. Not everybody is healthy enough to be able to handle that level of balance, right? And then we have to take the approach to, from like a functional perspective, a lot of times there's things that our process might take a little longer on the real functional side of things because I really have to educate people and we have to work on that relationship with food, that relationship with movement, because I can't give somebody like some advanced fancy protocol, which isn't going to always always be the case, but like, I can't give people health specific goals to meet if we're having meltdowns about their food choice every other day, right? There are things that have to be worked on sometimes from that emotional perspective with food, with movement, finding that balance in things. And then it's like, okay, now we can start to build up the momentum on moving the needle from a health perspective with all of this stuff. Right. But here's the thing. If you are a coach and you're only preaching, eat what you want and see the results, you're only, you're going to get people who you can't help and you're going to end up taking on clients to fill your roster and your bottom line. And if they don't see results, then it's their fault because they weren't adherent or they weren't able to do X or they weren't able to do Y or like, I mean, I did their macros and they said that they were doing it and like they were reporting everything and they said they did everything, but they still didn't lose the weight or they only lost so many pounds and they're still struggling. So clearly they must've been lying. (laughs) And it's scary because I see that. And then I get people who have worked with these coaches in the past and they're like, I feel like I've tried everything and it just doesn't work. And it's like, no, it's not your fault. You just didn't have somebody with the knowledge or the skills set or the willingness to learn or properly vet clients before you, they started working with you or like, like they didn't have the resources or were not willing to find somebody who knows how to handle these more sort of like advanced situations on your behalf. Like for example, I have clients that like to do Olympic lifting. Yeah. I have no idea any how to program for Olympic lifting specifically, like that's like a whole another thing. And I have no desire to learn. So I have a coach that I know that loves to program for Olympic lifting. And I literally pay her to write programs for my clients. I find that resource and I implement it on behalf of my clients. If I don't have the, the skill set or the knowledge, I either go learn or I seek out somebody who knows and I bring them into my business. And I say, Hey, can I contract you out for X, Y, Z? Can you help me? Because I have this client who wants to do this. And these are their parameters. Can you help me? And, and people need to be willing to do that. And I think it's much more common now to collaborate within the fitness industry than maybe it was a few years ago, because I do collaborate with other coaches, especially like on the functional side of things. Um, and what they're doing with their clients, if they're not sure, like, Hey, how to do this, they'll like reach out to me and be like, Hey, can we set up some time to like talk about X, Y, Z, because I've got a client who's struggling with this. And I'm always like, yes, absolutely. Because I love that they're willing to say, Hey, I don't know, but I am going to find out. And if I 
can't find out immediately and I have an immediate need, I'm going to find somebody who can be a resource for me to help move the needle right away with my client who's dealing with XYZ, right? Now, for the people in my audience, (laughs) this is something that you need to look for. If you're looking for a coach and you're like, what questions do I ask? You need to ask them, one, what is your knowledge of functional nutrition and functional health and hormones and gut health? And if they're like, I don't really have like a super big working knowledge of that, then you can ask, do you have resources or people that you can work with if for some reason this becomes something that I might need and they, and that will tell you, right, whether this is going to potentially be somebody who's a perfect fit for you. Because it's not that like, if you're a coach or you are working with somebody and they're around really is they're super good with macros and they are super good with training and they, but they don't really have a huge working knowledge with like hormones. I want you to know that's okay. That's okay. But there has to be a willingness for people to either learn at least the basics or to seek out the resources and collaborate with other professionals in the industry who do have the knowledge and the skill set that, that can come in and be like, do like an overview and support because that's important, right? It takes a village. It really takes a village to get people living in the bodies and living the lives that they deserve to be living in. Okay. So now for the people in my audience, why does eating what you want to get the results you want not work when you have functional issues? One, most of you are going to probably be dealing with high levels of intestinal permeability. If you don't know what that is, if you've heard of leaky gut syndrome, that's basically the same thing, meaning that there are going to be some foods that are considered maybe like healthy, like peppers, like corn, like whatever, whatever fruit, apples, right? Something that you're eating something that is for the most part considered healthy, but it might be causing inflammation within your body. This is where sometimes a lot of people think, oh, I need to take out gluten. And they're like, I'm gluten intolerant because they take out gluten maybe for a couple of weeks and they reintroduce it. And they're like, oh, I must have a gluten intolerance. And it's like, no, you probably just have high levels of intestinal permeability and it's an inflammatory response. It's temporary. And after you fix this, you're probably going to be able to go back to eating gluten no problem, like at a point in time. Now, if you have Hashimoto's, it's another story. You're probably not going to be able to eat gluten on a regular basis, molecular mimicry and all that jazz. I've done a post on it. If you want to know more, DM me or go listen to episode two, where I talked about your thyroid and the difference between hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and how you can kind of approach both from like a lifestyle nutrition exercise perspective. Um, I'm going to be doing some more content on the thyroid on the podcast specifically here down the road, but you can go listen to episode two for right now if you have more questions about that or slide into my DMs because I love talking about the thyroid. Now, and that's part of the reason. It's like why eating what you want doesn't work when you have functional issues because now you're at the point where just quote unquote air quotes eating healthy and air quotes exercising regularly are not enough anymore to get your body working the way that it needs to work. Sometimes it means backing off of exercise completely. Sometimes it means focusing on um, parasympathetic strategies, um, proactive parasympathetic strategies to help reignite that parasympathetic nervous system and get your body into rest and digest, especially if you're dealing with a lot of adrenal insufficiency. Sometimes it requires working with a medical practitioner to support with hormone replacement therapy, depending on how far gone you are, right? And in those scenarios, just eating quote unquote better and exercising regularly 
is not enough to move the needle. I see this a lot of times really specifically with like PCOS. I talk to so many people with PCOS and they're like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm just not seeing it. I'm like, that's because you're addressing the the symptom and not the root cause. You're not doing anything to address specifically the inflammation or address the gut issues that you're having or doing anything to support specifically targeting your sex hormones, right? It takes more than eating healthy and working out or eating the right macros and getting in your lifts and using progressive overload. That's going to work for people who have a regularly functioning body. (laughs) If you are already dealing with functional issues, 90% of the time that stuff is not going to work for you. And that's where people like me come into play. So now how to how to balance getting your body working while also fixing your fucked up relationship with food and movement. (laughs) Because that's, that's something that has to sometimes be addressed before you can really dive into the functional side of things. When you're working with me, we have to kind of take a step back. And a lot of times what this means is we're tracking food in a way that's not focusing on calories. Um, a lot of times to me, calories is kind of secondary in regards to, in comparison to food quality, nutrient pairing and food and meal timing, those types of things to me matter more. And a lot of times taking a step away from tracking calories could really give people that perspective of seeing how their body responds to food without hyperfixating on the number of calories that they're intaking on a daily basis. This is super, super important. Another thing that we'll do too is if there are specific foods that people struggle with, like on, like binging, for example. Now, I'm going to just be real with you guys. I'm not an eating disorder like counselor or coach or anything. I only know what I know from my own personal experience. And if somebody does have a diagnosed eating disorder, I do require that they either have gone through therapy and they're in recovery or that they're, if they're have not done that, that they are like actively seeking therapy as they are working with me, because there, there's a lot more to managing an eating disorder than just saying, I'm going to fit it into my macros, right? (laughs) There's a lot more to it, but there are certain things that we can do that are kind of within the scope of like finding that balance. And a lot of times it will be giving people permission to, for a stretch of time, do what I like to call like an intentional indulgence. Like if you're really struggling with the concept of like sweet stuff, I'm like, I want you to eat it every single day, every single day. And if you eat more than you plan to, I don't care. I just want you to get used to eating it on a regular basis because we need to sort of desensitize you one to that specific food, but two, you need to see that you can eat it and the world doesn't end. And you need to stop and evaluate how you're feeling when you're eating it. Is it satisfying some need within you, right? Is there a deeper conversation that we might need to have or that you might need to seek out support for, right? And so we also, with movement, because a lot of people have like sort of a broken relationship with the gym. And I'm not going to lie, like I've struggled with this before too, because it's like, I know the gym is good for me, but like, I just got so burnt out on like lifting (laughs) after a little while. And I felt so guilty when I didn't go to the gym and lift. And so it's giving people permission to try other types of movement and other activities outside of what they're sort of feeling resistance to, to just re-spark that joy for moving their bodies. And that makes such a huge difference, right? Now, a lot of times we have to go through these steps 
prior to jumping into the actual work that's going to fix the root of the issues that somebody's experiencing. So like if somebody's experiencing insulin resistance, one of the strategies that can sometimes be approached in that scenario is utilizing ketosis. But if somebody has a disordered relationship with food, that's not going to be step one at all. It's going to be like step 10, <laughs> right? And and there's no like hard, like a, like we're going to do this for X amount of weeks and then we're going to try this. Um, you know, it, we just have to monitor things from week to week and day to day. And then it's a conversation that I have with my client and be like, okay, here is this strategy that we're mapping out. And I want you to know that this is the direction that we're going. But before we get here, I want to be sure we can do X, Y, Z. And they're like, okay, cool. Yes. And sometimes having that like knowledge and that autonomy and being involved in it because if somebody's really going to be triggered by something that I'm asking them to try, then we're not going to do it, right? Regardless of what the outcome may or may not be, I will never sacrifice somebody's like mental health for the sake of an outcome. They are, I will inform them of, hey, if we do this or don't do this, this is going to be the potential outcome of either pathway. Now, I want you to know because I want you to make an informed decision as we're moving forward as to what your options are. And that's just an honest conversation that's important to have with people. So anyway, that's kind of how you can address the getting your relationship with food and movement. At least that's how I, that's just a snapshot of how I address it with my clients um, before we dive into sometimes the functional issues. Now, how do you know if you have functional issues? This is the million dollar question, isn't it? If you have regular gut discomfort, bloating, cramping, heartburn, you eat a meal and you feel like there's like lead sitting in your stomach, right? Or you eat a meal and you immediately feel sleepy afterwards, or you have really hard to pass stool, or you consistently go from like either really hard to pass stool or like to diarrhea and like kind of like jump back and forth. Um, you have bloating or distension within the stomach. Um, you're dealing with brain fog. You're dealing with fatigue. You're dealing with body temperature regulation issues. You're dealing with potentially thinning hair. You're dealing with skin issues. Specifically, skin issues are pretty prevalent with thyroid as well as sex hormone disorder. You're dealing with um, really bad cramps, really heavy mood swings around PMS, things like that. That is when you have something going on on a hormonal level, whether you, if you have any or any combination of those things and or if you're fatigued first thing in the morning or you get a lot of energy like at night, you get maybe you hit like a 3 p.m. crash in the afternoon and you have to have a cup of coffee. Those are signs of adrenal dysregulation. Right. So you that's what that's when it's time to say, OK, maybe I need to look at something that's not just going on another diet because clearly I've tried that before and I'm still feeling like shit. And this is the funny thing is that people are like so loath to like look at what's going on deeper and they're like, no, but I'm going to try now this 75 hard challenge rule. I'm going to do 75 medium or 75 soft because, you know, I think that's just a better option. And it's like, cool. Talk to you in like three months when you're still in the same place that you were before. Let me know how that goes. Like, I, I hope it goes well for you, but like based on our conversations, that's not going to fix your problem. Like another challenge is not going to fix what's going on with you internally. And that's when you need to start talking to somebody 
like me, right? Or another functional or hormone-based health coach out there who is willing to look at your body as a whole and do something different than what you've done before. So that way then you can eventually get to this place of, I can eat a more balanced diet. I can include some of my more favorite foods without gaining three pounds the next day, right? Especially like if you're like, oh, but I go out and I eat this meal and like, And then you gain two pounds the next day, and then that two pounds is still there a week later, even though you went right back to eating the way that you were eating before. That's another sign that something is up. So, um, you know, this is just sort of your your wake-up call to if you have something going on and you're even remotely curious as to if you need to take a deeper dive, if you need something that's not just hitting your macros and getting in another workout. Um, you need to slide in my DMs. I love to just have a conversation with people because at the very least, I can point you in the right direction. I can give you some tips if there's something that you're like, I need to ask my doctor about XYZ, but like, what do I ask for? Because here's the thing, right? Your medical team is going to be a part of the process. Like I work very heavily with my clients on medical advocacy and helping them get what they need from their medical providers because that's a part of the story, right? That's also part of the whole journey. Um, and so what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to wrap this podcast up. (laughs) I feel like I'm ending on kind of a down note, but I'll give you guys just a little quick heads up on what we have coming up. So we're going to be talking about um, allergy testing um, and other like gut health tests and why you don't need them. We're going to talk about what the fuck is insulin resistance. We're going to talk about other practical strategies for busy schedules because we just need like a practical approach every now and then um, among all the info dumping that goes on on this podcast. And we're going to talk about getting a medical diagnosis and having it not be your entire identity. And I'm going to bring on a guest for that one. I'm super excited. And then I'm also going to be talking about eating disorder recovery and gut health, because this has been a topic that's just come up in my DMs a lot recently um, that as I'm talking with people and they're like, oh my God, there's a correlation there. I'm like, yeah, there is. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that. And I'm so excited. All right, you guys, thank you guys so much for being here today. Uh, Please leave a rating and a review if you haven't already. That helps um, push the podcast out to people who need to hear this information or who maybe want to hear this information. And if you are listening, take a snapshot, get a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, and I will talk with you guys on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the What the Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. And don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support. And I will see you next time.